right. Well, let's open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 together. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to read verse 14 through 19. And uh, this is week 3 of our Wild and Captivating series. Uh, this is title, uh, the title today is called The Wound, The Wound. And so I thought I'd sit down for this one. Um, I really uh, considered, to be honest, uh, pulling this week even off of our online uh, because, to be honest, I don't really care about airing much of my laundry in front of people that aren't in my life. Um, not to say you who are worshiping with us online, but we have an extended online community that just kind of checks us out, but isn't part of our church faith family. Uh, I intend to at least a little bit share with you some of my wounds um, in hopes that we would all recognize that we all have wounds um, and that God uh, can heal our wounds. Amen. Amen. And so as men and women, what we've been going after in this series together is we've been going after uh, God's beautiful design for us as men and women. Not what our parents thought, not what the world thinks, uh, not what uh, our spouse thinks, not what society thinks, politicians think, political party thinks what does God want out of you and me as men and women and so we've considered the beautiful design of who God created us to be right last week we considered uh, the the fall and the the fear uh, of uh, men not uh, being enough not having what it takes. And I shared with you even how I used to avoid being outdoors because I was scared of being exposed <laughs> of my lack of ability outdoors. That's why I love staying in a gym because I could dominate guys on the basketball court, right? I like being in my sweet spot. And ladies, we talked about the fear of not fulfilling the calling of God upon your life and not living up to that. Today, we're going to talk about the wound. Let's look. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. It says this as we continue this creation story. Remember, right after Adam and Eve sinned against God. It says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, to Eve... He said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife 
and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it, you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Everyone has a story. I think that's one of the coolest things that you can uh, do to get to know someone, especially as believers in Jesus. Um, I, I hope you're bold enough to come straight out, maybe in your first meeting with someone here in the city and say, hey, I'd like to tell you about Jesus. That's a, that's a good thing to do. And I hope more people would do that because I believe Jesus is greater than any one of us and he's the greatest thing to, to share about in this city. But most of us, it'd be a good idea for us to get to know people before we just, you know, hit them up the side of the head with a Bible, right? And so a great just open question to anybody, one of your neighbors, one of your coworkers is, tell me your story. Tell me your story. Truth be told, most people won't tell you their full story. Uh, they'll tell you a Cliff Notes version. They'll tell you a Facebook post version, right? Y'all do know everybody lies on Facebook. Right, uh, I posted on Insta Story last night. It was true, but Bolt was capturing it. He was playing with my phone and stuff while I was taking a turn fishing, and I hooked one and lost it. Right? We don't typically post the videos where we lose the fish. And one of my buddies said, real life right there. Right? So we know that when we ask people, what's your story? that most people are not going to be vulnerable enough to tell you about their wounds. But we all know this, and it's because of the fall. Although God created Adam and Eve, and there was perfection, there was shalom, there was peace with God, Adam and Eve sinned against God. And because of that sin, this word called total depravity, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us, <laughs> this is hard for us as parents, right? Uh, because we try and create these worlds where um, our kids are protected and they have the most incredible environment and, uh, you know, they can thrive and all these other different things. But I hate to tell you, I hate to break this to you, parents, there ain't no way you're going to protect your child from this world. At the core, there's no way you can protect your child completely from themselves. They are going to come to the reality, I don't care how perfectly you raise them, to the truth that they are separated from God. That they are broken people. That they are hurting people. That they are sinful people. And that they are in desperate need of a Savior. I want us to unite together in this room around this first truth that we all have wounds. We all have wounds. This week in our V-group study, 
I want us to know that uh, in the captivating study, when we come together, we have a young adults uh, men's group that meets here on Monday nights, a young adults uh, women's group that meets on Wednesday nights at a home. Please reach out to us and take that next step. We'll plug you in. But we also have Tuesday night, we have our PGH City location V group. And then on Thursday nights, we have our PGH West location V group right here. And, and we, we get together, we enjoy some food, hang out, and then we divide up men and women groups. And in those groups, we're going to flesh out some things this week. For the ladies, uh, you're going to have a discussion about massive wounds and smaller wounds. That's how Stacy Eldridge puts it. We all have wounds. What are the massive wounds? What are the so-called smaller wounds? Um, for the men, we're going to talk about active wounds, aggressive wounds, and passive aggressive wounds. Um, we're going to open up this reality that we all have wounds. Psalm 109, look on the screen behind me. Psalm 109, verse 21 through 22, listen to this. But you, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake because of your steadfast love is good. Deliver me. Anybody willing to admit you've cried out to the Lord, deliver me, save me, help me, heal me? I guarantee you have. If you say you haven't, you're in a Facebook post. Even when nobody's looking, I promise you, you've cried out, deliver me. Verse 22, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. Uh, let's talk about my wounds. And if that's okay with you, I don't want to talk about Annabeth's wounds. She has wounds. That's my wife. I don't want to talk about your wounds. I'm going to talk about my wounds, not to put attention upon myself here, but to just be vulnerable enough with you, I believe that one of the ways in which revival is going to happen in our church is we have to be honest about our wounds. And we have to do that in community. Uh, for me, the only way I can describe it is somewhat abandonment. For me. Now, it's happened in a number of different ways. In my story, um, I have a lot of drive. That started at a very young age. I remember taking all my uh, friends' money as a little kid because we started a little company where I would cut up Sports Illustrateds. We would uh, paste them on whiteboards and then we would sell them and it was all a big pyramid scheme for me to make a whole lot of money. I got every kid's daddy's sports illustrated and cashed in on that. And sometimes in my drive to be an entrepreneur and to start things and, and to be like that, I'll just confess to you, um, there's been quite a lot of carnage around me. And, and for most driven people, that's a reality. There's such a focus, there's such a drive 
to go at all costs, and, and so sometimes there's carnage. But on the other side of my childhood, I'll let you know, I grew up in a home where my dad was uh, very loving. My mom is very loving. They're both very loving. Uh, but we were always on the go. And so if we get out of my house for a second, um, I spent pretty much most of my childhood all the way until I was about 14 years of age on the road. And I was forced into these situations. For some, they would say, this is amazing, this is awesome. But I'm starting to kind of unpack the wounds of this as to the reality of who I am now as a 40-year-old pastor. And I would have to very quickly travel to this town. I'd have to make friends with the pastor's kids or this or whatever. And I'd really love these people and I'd hang out with these people. But then I'd wave and I would say goodbye to these people, never getting to talk with them again. And remember, this is before social media and all that other kind of stuff. And so I had to very quickly go deep very quickly and then move on. And so I was trained every week. I don't know a stranger. I can talk to anybody, but I was also trained to not go too deep with anybody because peace out, I'm out. I had to go. Even in my childhood, my dad had kind of a second place that we would go to, and we'd go hang out at the beach for most of the summer. So I never got to play baseball really as a kid uh, because we were never home for the summer. We would go to the beach, and my dad would go travel from where we were at at the beach, and for the most part, me and my brother, and then later on my sister, would be at the beach. And what happens at the beach? Most people don't get to stay at the beach for three months. There was a revolving door of a week at a time, new kids coming in. And so I'd have to make friends real quick, and then they'd be out the door. So you fast forward a little bit longer, and, and we start to get into life. And I praise God that my family moved to a local church. And, but if I can just be honest, a pastor's life is not a life filled with a ton of deep relationships. There's always a guard that has to be up, and... As great as my family's life was now pastoring a local church, man, we had some nasty, nasty hits and attacks against my family. And so I was told and trained to not let too much be known. I was told to be careful in talking too much. I was told to, to watch out. I was told to behave because you are. And so there was this wall. I accept God's call to ministry. And to be honest, I tried everything I could do to not be in ministry. Ran from God's call upon my life that I believe God saved me at age seven. I believe in my teenage years he actually called me into ministry. But it only happened a surrender of my life until I was about 21. And so I surrendered to ministry and I marry Annabeth and, and we jump headfirst into a ministry and, and we go to New Orleans and um, I want you to know that we plant a church but my ministry started out pretty much in New Orleans with hosting ministry groups that would come to New Orleans for one week and then they would leave. And so I learned how to pastor in my sweet spot. Once again, I ain't got to know these people. I just got to love them real quickly and then let them go out the door. Well, then we begin Vintage Church in New Orleans by the grace of God. 
And if I can just tell you over the 10 years, I've got some very, very deep relationships that I love and I cherish. But at the core, there was a revolving door just about every year. Some of it was good. Some of it was bad. Post-Katrina, New Orleans, we inherited a whole bunch of young adults who came into the city. And the primary group that our church did really well at reaching were those people. But they were all coming in to basically boost their resume in New Orleans for helping poor little New Orleans so that they could get jobs in other places around the country. And so they would come in, man, they'd invite me into their house, and they would love me and Annabeth, and man, we'd get some great relationships, and then all of a sudden, they're out the door. There were also the really bad situations where I found out what my dad had gone through as a pastor, and if I can just be honest, thank God it's none of y'all. But church people be mean. They be mean. There were some deep wounds in my journey in New Orleans. And if I can just now fast forward, Pittsburgh, for the two and a half years that I've been here, has been quite the ride. And we've ebbed and flowed, and Annabeth joked with me yesterday, well, I guess August we're planting this church for the ninth time or something. Because we've had so many things, things that are not necessarily people issues. There was this thing called COVID that changed the game. I came in with one focus, and I'm telling you this with all honesty and truth. I came here to plant one church in Bridgeville, out of my home. God had different plans. And I opened up my hand to serve the city and to step into all these different things, but there's been a revolving door. Now, before you uh, feel sorry for Pastor Rob, and I want you to know I deserve a lot. I'm a punk. I don't treat people great. I don't, I don't always give people the benefit of the doubt. I know you always do. But I don't always go into every conversation with, man, this person is going to be a friend for life. I also want you to know that in my drive and in my, my push forward, I know that I've sometimes thought too much about a goal instead of a person. And I regret that deeply here in Pittsburgh. I regret in a lot of ways being impatient. And in my impatience, sometimes there's collateral. But I'll also let you know, I genuinely, I'm telling you this, this is full confession. You didn't know you were coming to Pastor Rob's confession. But in my full confession, I'm sitting here and I'm telling you, I have genuinely been vulnerable with people. And for me, the deepest wounds for me are the people that I actually let in. And then they said peace. They lied. Which for me, in my wounds, this is me, I know y'all don't have any issues. I'm just letting you know, for me, in my wounds, makes me not want to even try. Because I'm thinking, well, maybe if I was more vulnerable, maybe if I let people in more, maybe if I did this, but then I go, wait, but I did that with that. I did that with that person. I did that with that person. 
I got the same result. So why even try? I hope this isn't too real for you. But we all have wounds. What, what do we do with these wounds? I've been asking the Lord, what, Lord, what do you want me to do with these wounds? Do I need to pack it up? Man, I'd love to like, and I hope maybe some of y'all can tell me it's not that great. To me, I fantasize about being a UPS driver. FedEx UPS driver. He's going to drive, deliver, drive, deliver, clock in, clock out. Ain't no reason to call me in my off time. Ain't no reason to get deep. You just want the package. You don't want a conversation. So here's your package. I fantasize about it. I go to sleep at night saying, oh, that guy's got the dream job. Should I do that? Should I just abandon ship? What, what do you do about your wound? Now, we can go. And listen, there's tons of wounds here. I know it. Daddy wounds, mama wounds. Some of y'all are looking at my wounds saying, Pastor Rob, suck it up. That's, that is, you, don't, you don't even have half of the battle that I've gone through. I know there's some really painful things in this room. Let me, let me share what we do with these wounds. And can I just ask all of us in this room, can we give each other grace? Carl hang out, hung out with me yesterday. He was my bodyguard going to man up. I felt like Mike Tomlin and all these guys would show up with bodyguards. So I said, Carl, I need you in the game. So I rolled deep into the man up conference. People know, don't mess with Pastor Rob now. He's got that crazy guy Carl watching out for him. So Carl and I were talking. I was like, man, for me, the biggest struggle is sometimes when I get that email blast of someone leaving our church and they criticize me for not showing grace. They're expecting the same grace that they're not willing to give others. That's sometimes been hard for me as a pastor. I've said, I'm sorry, man, I messed up. I didn't call you. I, I didn't follow up with you. And they still peace out and they decide to blast us on social and everything. Can we agree to give each other grace here? Because I'm going to show four ways in which we deal with our wounds. And I promise you, all of these have come out in your life. Number one, we minimize the wound. So what we do in our relationships is we actually say this. We, I just shared it with you. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, look at everyone else's problems. Look at that person's wound and look at those issues. And so because it's not so significant or people might make fun of me for weeping about this, we minimize it. Every wound is real. That's what we're going to talk about in our groups, the big ones, the small ones. Every wound is real. Number two, we embrace it. 
Basically, this is what it means to embrace it. We start saying with the wound, this is who I am. That tragedy that happened to you as a young boy and young girl, you have now, for the rest of your life, you have forever said, that is who I am. Number three, you medicate it. The wound is real to you. You're you're not minimizing it. And because it's made such an impact in your life, you go to alcohol, you go to drugs, you go to retreat. I'll confess to you, I go to retreat. Sunday afternoons and Mondays are somewhat retreat days for me. After my Sundays. Uh, We work. That's how we medicate it. We talked about that last week, men. You don't want to have a conversation, a deep conversation with anyone in your family, your spouse, your kids, or whatever. So you say you need to work. And you strategically come home when everyone's in bed. To avoid having the conversations. You're medicating it. Lastly, you deny it. You deny it. A wound that is denied is a wound that can't be healed. Brennan Manning said that. And you're in denial about it. You know it happened. But for whatever reason, too many people are looking to you. You're not sure if your spouse will still love you if you confess that to them. You're denying it. Can I share this with you? There is some good news for our wounds. As Jesus entered the synagogue, he rolls out the scroll of Isaiah and he reads Isaiah 61. Look at it on the screen. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim Liberty to the brokenhearted, to the captives. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. May I assure you, Jesus wants to bring you liberty, freedom. He wants to break the chains of wounds and healing is right around the corner in your life. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus declares, Behold, this is for someone in your wounds right now. Jesus declares, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears 
my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. What a picture. I love that. Never, ever, never, ever. In your wounds, in your brokenness, does Jesus ever hold back wanting to be by your side? He could care less what people are going to talk about on Instagram when they post pictures of him with you. He loves you. He offers to you freedom. Every person needs to hear, I love you, I'm proud of you, I adore you, you are amazing. So let's get real. I'm not going to let you in fully. I still need counseling for that. I don't trust you are going to be here next week. But some things happened in my life this past week. And there's something amazing about a father. And I have a great dad who's always been an encourager to me. And I called up my dad in my moment this past week. I said, Dad, I'm struggling. I don't even know why. And within two hours after talking to Annabeth, I booked a flight to Atlanta to go and play golf with my dad and my brother for a day. You know, we didn't unpack a whole lot. My dad's not a good counselor. Everything to him is, Rob, it's a test. It's a test. Man up, it's a test. I don't need to hear that right now, Dad. When's the test over? I promise you what my dad did do, and my sweet mama said, there ain't no way you're going to play golf with my son, and I'm not there. So mama actually came. She kicked my dad and my brother to the other golf cart, and she rode in my golf cart with me. And we didn't even unpack a whole lot. I got to share a little. But do you know what I heard? I love you. I'm proud of you. I adore you. Can I assure you that Jesus is telling you that right now? I love you. I'm proud of you. I adore you. Do you know that Jesus even craved that? Do y'all remember his baptism? After he was baptized, a dove ascended from heaven. 
And a voice cried out, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So if you're so prideful, I don't need to tell, nobody needs to tell me that they love me. I'm good. I'm, I'm telling you what, suppress, suppress, suppress. I'm so strong, all this stuff. Jesus needed it. You ain't Jesus. You ain't as strong as Jesus. You ain't nowhere near as strong as Jesus. Why would the Father say that to Jesus? Because Jesus as man needed to hear the affirmation from the Father. And so do you as man and woman. What Jesus invites us to do are four things. Please write these down or memorize these things or they're going to be online. Because if you have a wound right now, I've been doing this. I'm in the middle of it, so please give me grace. I'm still dealing with it. I'll probably still retreat and get on the river. Something about those fish, they never get mad at me. I want you, number one, to recognize it. We talked this past week as men that we have these fig leaves, right? And we challenged each other. What is our fig leaf? What are we, what are we putting up as a facade that hides everything? If you, right now, man or woman, can't figure that out, ask a spouse, a close family member, or a close friend. Ask them what your wound is. Recognize it. Number two, mourn it. All right, as a man, let me talk to the men. Real men cry. Real men cry. Mourn it. If it hurts, weep. Number three, surrender it. At the end of the day, this is just at the core of my belief. And everybody's got their own different opinions. One day, maybe I'll have counseling. I feel like I'm having counseling with a camera right now. Mmm, that's good. Yeah, mmm. Mmm. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, mmm. So what did you feel, Rob, when you thought, mmm, yeah. All right, so counseling for me, I'll, I'll maybe get there, but, like, here's the truth. Even the greatest counselor, the greatest program, the greatest attempt that you can give doesn't, ultimately change anything only Jesus can change your heart and his gospel is the hope of the world you're not no program is we need all these things but when we say surrender it that's why right now if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior you have no chance of fully tapping into healing from wounds without Jesus in your life. So give your life to Jesus right now. Trust in him. 
surrender it. But when it comes to your wound, surrender it. Give it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm tired of carrying this. I'm tired of trying to fix this. I'm tired of trying to finalize this in my life. I'm tired of trying to figure this out. I can alliterate for days. I need you to take it. And so on your knees before God, give it to him. I promise you, as your pastor, that's what I've done. With all the history, with all the scars, with all the wounds that I've got that is stacking up against me to ever let me become a close friend in your life. I've given it to Jesus. And I don't really hope in you. I don't hope in me. I hope in Jesus. Because I know Jesus has a different design. My brokenness, the world's brokenness, has brought this wound in my life. And lastly, restore it. Restore it. Isn't it amazing how many times we have gone through wounds in our lives? And the reason why God gave you that wound is so that you could help someone else with that wound. Has God ever used you like that? And we always want to be careful, right? Somebody comes and actually opens up their life to us and they say, man, this hurts and this is what happened in my life. And we don't want to be the ones, oh, we know what you're going through. We, went. we don't want to do that. But there's something powerful when the person that is struggling with something, which I believe the Spirit of God orchestrated before the foundation of the world, opened up their life to come to you with the same thing that you went through in your life. And you have an opportunity to see how God works all things for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. I don't have this point on the screen and one of our guys on vacation, so we're just not going to worry about trying to put it up. But I want you to add this next point. Surround it. What did we learn in the Armor of God series? Can't do this alone. And yes, we can come to Jesus just as we are, but Jesus never called any of us <laughs> to be an only child. We are children of God. And I believe that should start first in your home. I pray husbands and wives would confess wounds this week. Then it would happen within our church family through the different friends and relatives and associates and neighbors that we have. But let's surround it. And I want to invite us to begin that journey right now. There's two verses of scripture. Remember Genesis? And, and you know, basically God uh, shares the curse with the serpent, with the woman, with the man because of their sin. So sin brings wounds, brings scars. I have a scar right here on my arm. Broke my arm three times. Got a metal plate in there. 
When I'm around little kids, I tell them that I was surfing in South Africa and a great white shark bit through there and I punched the great white shark. He released me and I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. Street hockey. But I see the scar there. We all have scars, right? We all have wounds. Well, the curse is shared by God to Adam and Eve, the result of sin. But at the end of it, as we continue the story, Genesis 3, 20 through 21, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments. Who made it? The Lord God. In shame, in embarrassment because of nakedness now, the Lord God, he didn't even say, go make your own clothing. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Can I just tell you, the Lord God, in your shame, in your brokenness, in your wounds, offers you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he wants to clothe you in his righteousness so that your identity is no longer shame, no longer brokenness, no longer sin, but your identity is in him. He clothes you in his righteousness so that when he sees you, he sees himself and he says, Behold, I am well pleased. I am well pleased. Thank you, Jesus, for clothing us. Remember Isaiah 61? Go and read Isaiah 61. Look at it on the screen. It says in Isaiah 61, verse 10 through 11, this can be true of you in your wound because of Jesus. Isaiah 61, 10 through 11, it says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adores herself and her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. He loves you. He is proud of you. He adores you. So let's take our wounds to Jesus. And let's not rush this. I don't want to make it easy for you because I don't think it's easy. But I want to ask if perhaps maybe you would like to begin a movement of vulnerability in your own life. I want to invite you as I go to the Lord in prayer to actually do one of two things. You can either stand to admit before the Lord right now 
have a wound and I need you, Jesus. But for some of you in the room, this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. Don't just stand up. Stand up and step out and come kneel before Jesus. Recognize it. Mourn it. Surrender it. Restore it. I'm going to be silent before the Lord. You move right now if the Lord leads you to move. Jesus thank you for your gospel thank you God for demonstrating your love for us and that while we were still sinners while we were wounded while we were hurting you sent your son in whom you are well pleased to die for us so that we can be healed so that we can be clothed in righteousness not a righteousness of our own but your righteousness So thank you, Jesus, for your words in my life this week. Thank you for sending doves from heaven. And in my hurt, God reminding me that you love me, that you're proud of me. you adore me and God you know my pride was all in the way of this this week and so I refuse to stand here and act as if I did this willingly thank you Lord Jesus for giving me the ability to reject Satan's temptation to not be vulnerable Thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering me 
to deliver what you wanted me to deliver because Lord Jesus, I believe in this room right now, Lord Jesus, your kindness is everywhere. God, in the name of Jesus, you have poured out on each of our lives and even another reminder from me that you love us. That you are proud of us. That you adore us. And so God, as we take these wounds, I pray that we would recognize it that we would mourn it, that we would surrender it. Lord Jesus, that we would restore it. And God, as we've made these statements here in your house, God, that we would surround it with you, your Holy Spirit, and your church. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.